I'm excited to di dive into today's conversation with my new friend. It's, it's really interesting. I was reading his story and he went from mowing lawns, now owning not one, but multiple businesses remotely all the way to Sri Lanka. And I'd like to introduce my guest. His name is Dan West. Now, Dan, first off, thank you again for taking the time to indulge in a thought-provoking dialogue with me and welcome to the Better Than Best Academy. I'm really excited to, to dive into this conversation with you. But with all that said, I'm curious, Dan, what would make today's conversation extraordinary? Great question. Put me on the spot. I mean, to be honest, the fact that it's my first recorded podcast means that it already is extraordinary. That's a boring answer. But I think what would make it extraordinary? I, I, I think if we can find a topic that we both really, really riff on, I think that's going to make it an excellent, extraordinary conversation for everyone that, everyone that watches or everyone that's listening. So I'd probably say that. I love it. I love it. Well, Dan, since we're just kind of officially meeting, I know we're a part of a Discord community and uh, it's, it's already been a great asset for me. I'm curious to hear like your, your perspective of kind of your origin story. So who is Dan West? Dan West is multiple people. <laughs> no, I guess the starting point would be the Dan West that people see or at least see on Twitter, which is where I'm, I'm predominantly building my audience. It's probably different to the Dan West that my friends know or that my family know. They probably wouldn't be surprised my family and friends, that is, that I'm doing what I'm doing, building, what I'm building on Twitter, yeah. on Discord. However, it, it's nice to have a, a fresh start on Twitter and sort of show people what you want to show them. I guess if, if I was explaining who I am and where I've come from, my, I got a funny story, man. So I guess from start from school, I, I was a terrible student. I was very, very bright but a massive underachiever and my teachers got very frustrated with me. They're like, Dan, you're a very bright kid, but you just don't give a, you, you don't give a rats about, about anything here. And I was like, no, all I wanted to do was socialize, go out, party, chase girls and have a good time. And that, that was my life for a few years. I won't lie. I was a massive extrovert, just wanted to socialize. And really my, my education was socializing myself as much as possible. Then eventually ended up at university, figured out that I could write. Did, I studied politics, so started playing with some bigger ideas. And then once I figured out I could write, I sort of started combining it with my social skills. Naturally, well, after university, a lot of people do the same thing. They go, they either go traveling or they go into a corporate job. Opted for traveling. Went and lived in Australia for a few years. Did some really, really interesting jobs. I worked in a mine, pretty much. I worked underground, I worked on a farm and just all these new experiences. I was like, I, I can never see myself in a, in a nine to five. I can never see that. That's not going to happen. So once I got back from traveling, cut short by COVID actually, I decided to put my social skills combined with my writing skills to work, started looking into online business, started educating myself religiously, consuming as many books as I can. And after an incredible period of self-development and self-education, I sort of ended up in the world of business. And I would say that's sort of where we are, where we are now. And now we're in the creator economy. The business side of things has been, it's been a roller coaster to say the least, but that's, that's kind of, that, that's kind of where I've come from and where I am now, Red. So 
such an interesting story. Going to Australia, mining, farming, man, uh, I can only imagine the the experience you got to experience from all that. And and I love what you mentioned about the idea that you were bright, but in the standards of school, you were underachieving because for you, this being social was the important part. And I think it's interesting. Like when I came up with the title of Better Than Best Academy, it's that overall idea of a lot of times when we go to schools, even if we go to college, it doesn't teach the life lessons that we really use on the daily. And, and to me, it sounds like the writing mixed with the social skills was so important for you and, and just experiencing life more than being in a nine to five. What is it do you think about your personality that makes you feel like you would never have a nine to five? Naturally very defiant, quite independent, always been, always questioned everything everything authority always had a bit of a bit of a problem with authority as well I, i've never liked people telling me what to do so i've always kind of questioned the status quo just as a from a natural since i can remember so i've always been a little bit of a rebel i guess coupled with the fact that i i think i've always been fairly aware i sort of understood how especially with social dynamics, how things are working around me, how at school, everything was kind of about status. And I sort of played the game, played the game. And I've always looked at things as a bit of a game. So number one, defiant personality, always had a bit of a problem with authority. So that didn't like being told what to do. And number two, always been quite aware. So seeing through the facades and the, what I would consider, you know, illusions of the world that you know, may, maybe some people wouldn't agree with that point, but I, certainly do and i think being able to see through the the crap ultimately has meant that i was always questioning the school system thinking like why why would i try because these goals aren't mine like who am i working for here am i working for me or am i working for them and by them i mean teachers parents whatever and i was always thinking i'm not looking for their approval i'm always looking for my own approval if that means I have to stand alone and actually be considered a bit of a, a rebel or an, or an underachiever, I don't care. I've got to be true to myself. And in the long run, it's been the best thing I could have done. But I would say, yeah, I'd say that, Red. I'd say my personality, defiant, independent, and yeah, maybe a little bit of a rebel. That idea of wanting to stand on your own two feet. I, I love that idea that you said that I'm not trying to go pursue someone else's goals i'm trying to go pursue my own and what you want and i think that's so interesting because a lot of people do fall victim to living life out of pleasing people I, I see it a lot in in my clients is they get into these spaces of and especially like in service-based business like places where you really want to help people at your core if you're not careful it's easy to turn helping people into people pleasing and and I think it's important for, for us to have that kind of differentiation. And and I'm curious. So as you sit there and you're talking about like maybe you were considered the underachiever in school, maybe you were considered the rebel. What is something if if people really knew Dan West, what was some be something that surprised them about you? I don't know if it would surprise people, but from my story and some of my background and the fact that I'm very involved in business. I've got, I've grown very thick skin, but at, at, at the heart, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a massive family person. And it, it actually pains me a little bit that 
growing up and realizing that if you want to succeed in business, you have to sacrifice a lot. And it means that you can't always be with your family. You can't always be, I guess, prioritizing those relationships when you're chasing your own goals. So I think for me, one of the hardest things is actually detaching myself a little bit from my the most important relationships in my life in the short term to reach my the goals that I, I, I have to achieve. I have to build my own life and so no one's going to do it for me. So I guess the answer is I'm a massive softie and I am a massive family person. And I, I would say that right now it looks like that they're, they're my, they're my, you know, in terms of priorities, they're, they're not as high as they, they should be, which is, makes me sad, but also the fact that they are always on my mind. And yeah, I'd say that's probably something that people wouldn't know. Cause I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't reveal that to the world because I'm living in Sri Lanka. I'm, I'm living in Asia. I'm living away from home. And although I love traveling and I love being independent, I love all these new experiences. I, I have to do it because. If I'm at home, I get too comfortable because I love being around my family that much that it holds me back from, I guess, going for the things that I'm I'm born to do because you're sort of in that comfort zone. So, yeah, I don't know if that's necessarily a clear answer, but just to wrap it up, yeah, massive family man, massive family man, but ultimately torn right now between my goals and what I'm trying to achieve and what I'm trying to build. And also the fact that, you know, there's nothing better than being around, being around people you love. So yeah, I guess what I'm doing is I'm, I'm trying to create a family atmosphere with the things that I'm building with my community, with the people that are following me with creative growth circle, which you're a part of, you know, that's, that's where you can, you, you can, you can still get a, a family fixed <laughs> but yeah great answer I, I think that answer is exactly what i was looking for actually surprisingly enough yeah. I, I think that I, I appreciate you first i appreciate you for being honest and real because it's very easy on a podcast especially one where people get very business-minded to forget about the other areas of themselves, because I feel like our lives are holistic. They're not just one single thing. Like that whole idea of work-life balance, I think that's a myth. I think it's integrated. I think if you can integrate your life as much as possible, you're going to really see the fulfillment and joy and all the things that you're really longing for. Because to me, just, I, I hear your heart. As soon as you said that and you started mentioning your family, I, I could just feel that the energy of your heart that you really do care about your loved ones. And, and I'm curious, so that this idea in improv is when someone says something, you have to go with it. It's not a yes, but it's a yes and. And I'm curious, like, what would life look like for you if you could have both and? If you could have these big dreams, these ambitions that you're going for and have the family, what would that look like for you? I think that would ultimately be my own creation. So. I think, and, and that's quite vague. So let me expand a little bit. And that's a really interesting question too, by the way. So I think what's happening is I'm, I'm always going to be a bit of a, a, a cheeky lad at heart, I guess. Even when I'm 50, I'm always going to keep a bit of a, a boyish, 
a boyish element, which I never want to lose because otherwise it become far too serious. But I am now a man. I'm, I'm 28 years old. And despite, you know, being very close to my family, ultimately I'm moving towards creating my own. I'm probably, I'm closer towards creating my own family than I am getting closer back towards the nuclear sort of family unit, which I came from. So I guess what it would look like, Red, would be I build what I need to build right now. So I build the businesses, I build the infrastructure, I get everything established. So those businesses could theoretically last the next 10 years. Once those things are built, because ultimately that's where my creative energy needs to be going. Once those, once the infrastructure is there and, and it becomes more of a, uh, a lot of it, all automated, a lot of it becomes more about maintenance rather than like 12 hour days. Then the priority will shift to, okay, well, we've created these businesses, we've created this infrastructure, we've created these revenue streams. Now I want to create a family. And so what it would look like would be a, the, the business infrastructure is there that I have more free time and this free time now means that I don't have to be pouring all my creative energy into my um, financial pursuits and my business pursuits. Actually, I can pour this creative energy into creating a family. So essentially, it would be my own. It would be my, me and my partner. We would have children and, and the businesses would be built, automated to the point where I've got free time to, 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 to create and nurture that family rather than just being constantly deep into projects. Although I'll be honest, Red, I do love, I think I've got a little bit of, a little bit of ADHD when I, when I really start on a project, I put everything into it and I lose track of time. So it'd be nice to be able to put that same energy into the family that I create, create with my future partner. But right now at the moment, the plan is to build everything, get it to the level where work rate has to, can drop a bit, things are automated. So. Is more time for the family. I wanna I wanna dive a little bit deeper into this topic because I feel like it's it's really interesting and I'm curious to see where it could take us. What if you could and and just just go with me. This is if we could really create it because you first opened by saying that you create that life. Obviously, it won't be easy, but it'll be worth it. So, what if you could build both simultaneously, the business and the family? I think it's. It's absolutely possible. I think, to be honest with you, it's whatever gives you purpose, right? So if, you're, if, you're per, if your purpose factor is, I want to I provide for my family that I already have and my kids mean everything to me, I'm doing it for them, not me, then the energy that you have is going to be off the charts because when you're doing it for other people and you've got that extra level of accountability, you make it happen, you tap into another area of your, of your mind. And, Again, this is why the community aspect, the community I'm building, like it actually gives me more energy and more purpose and propels me forward because I'm responsible for people. So I guess, Red, I already am doing that <laughs> to some extent. Maybe not in the essence of having actual kids where it's, it's a little bit more that, that they're, they're not as independent as say, community members that can, you know, they're going to be fine whether you're there or not. Whereas the kids, like, needed right so it's slightly different disciplines but i think at the end of the day it's just all about energy allocation it's all about time allocation and it, and you know the demands of say children and how much time they demand how much time you want to put in them probably isn't 
a million miles away from running your own like community or your own business. It's probably a kind of kind of similar level of stress and emotion needed and effort and time, but just the stakes are higher with with kids. So maybe if anything, it's going to drive you harder. It's just harder to find the time because they're always going to come first. So I think that's I think that's the thing. I, when it comes to prioritizing, at the moment for me, it makes sense to be prioritizing a business and not having to worry about. Uh, and a community rather than not having to worry about prioritizing keeping kids alive. Whereas when when the kids are involved and the wife's involved, and I'm sure you could speak to this yourself, I'd be interested to hear your point of view because you're a father. They are your number one priority, or at least I believe that they, they, they should be. And yeah, so like, what's your take on the matter? Yes, I, like I said, it definitely isn't always easy but it's worth it. For, for me, I kind of went a little bit backwards in my business building. Uh, I was working a, a nine to five for a, a YouTube creator, editing videos for her. And then I met my wife and then we got pregnant and then we had our first and now our second child. And it, through all of that and through the, the great Panini pandemic, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, I, I left that job and kind of, I, I honestly took the first year of our first child, I took the first year off which was crazy for me because I'm a high performer, high achiever, wanting to do a thousand different things. I was running a podcast and serving in my local church and still working full time at the moment remotely. And I was just running and running. And I got to that point where I really felt like it was time to slow down and speed up. So I took that year off to really focus on our son and build that bond. And then after that, that first year with him, I started kind of building the business that I'm building now. And I definitely will say that once you have more more skin in the game and more priorities in the game other than business, it definitely can be challenging. But again, it's like you said, it goes back to you, you have a, a new sense of why. And if you're always connected to your why and you're always valuing what you need to value, for instance, like a lot of times we hear self-care get thrown around a ton, especially in this, this space. But it's that idea, if you truly can make the time you need to take care of your priorities and your needs so that you can then give to others. Because I, I, I tend to really lean into wanting to help others. And we I, I touched on it a little earlier. It's very easy in this space to want to be so focused on everything else except for ourselves. And if we can prioritize that first, and then that next level would obviously be taking care of the family. And then the business comes in and it's, and it's kind of a juggling act. I, I juggled when I was in intermediate school and high school and I, I still enjoy juggling now, but the, the beauty of juggling, I like to use this metaphor is a lot of people, when they see someone juggling, they're like, that's so crazy. Like there's all this stuff that you're managing. But the thing is about juggling is only one ball's in the air at a time. If you were ever taking a photo of someone juggling, if they're juggling three balls and they're you know, trying to maintain the juggle and the rhythm of it. One ball's in the air at the time. So you're holding two things while focusing on the thing that's in the air in order to do the transfer to catch the next thing. And it goes back to this idea that I've kind of been coining of the rhythm of rest and work is if, if you can find that rhythm, not necessarily the balance, because ultimately you're going to be cheating somewhere in your time because we're only one person, right? We're one person and we can only do so much alone. So if you can really be able to be fully present and focused in the moments that you're in, but then, like you said, it goes back to time management and prioritizing things and scheduling things properly. If you're able to be present in that moment and not looking to the next thing, then I feel like that's where you're able to 
truly excel. Because for instance, uh, I've mentioned it before when I'm not doing a podcast on a Friday, it, it's family Friday for me. So when I'm doing those family moments with my family, I'm not trying to think of, I've got to write this tweet. I've got to uh, record this video. In that moment, I'm focused on my two kids and my wife. But then now, as we're here, thankfully, my wife's able to hold down the fort with our two as I hear one of mine screaming in the background. But I'm able to be here. Like, like I, I can be aware of, okay, something's happening there, but I know that she's got it covered. So again, it kind of comes back to having a, a great partner in this, but that's a whole other thought in itself. But yeah, I, I, in, I, I appreciate that, that thought process and that stream of flow. And I'm curious, so with this and going so hard and building this business, when you hear the words burnout, what, 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 what do you think about? I think about last year when I did burnout. I also think that what burnout often is, because I, I seriously burnout, like to the point where I was run down, I was ill and I got a little bit depressed. I won't lie. Probably because of the fact that there was a huge anticlimax at the end of that project that I was doing last year, which is part of the, I guess, part of my story, but I guess I won't go into that right now. But the point is with burnout is I work so damn hard and I got no reward. So what I did is I, I invested so much energy, time, and I sacrificed so much sleep, so much personal time, so much free time, so much time with my family. I gave up a lot and I gave a lot. So I, 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 I literally, I, I gave everything I had and I got no reward. And that was like burnout because it was, there was nothing to reinforce the behavior that I was doing. There was nothing. It was, it was like, you've worked the hardest you've ever worked in your life and you've got absolutely no positive feedback loop coming from it. So like, where's the dopamine? Like, like where's the rewards? The reward system isn't kicking in. So now the fact that you've been depriving yourself of sleep, you've been working really really hard you've been maybe not seeing as much sunlight as you should you haven't been around people as much all these things i said was it was like now okay mate you, you haven't got any dopamine to ride to ride through now so we're going to expose you for what you really are and that's the fact that you're worn out you're fed up because you've worked so damn hard and you haven't got anything for it you've been stressed because you've wanted to make it work the whole time and now you've gone up you've gone up to here there's nothing that's taken you up another level it's not like you didn't win so now you crash and that's what burnout was like for me it was like didn't it was like investing all of your money into crypto and then and then the market crashes that, 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 that was what it that's what it, that's what it felt like so my interpretation of burnout is probably different to some people's I, but ultimately I, I think what it is is it's putting everything in and not getting the results and getting no, no dopamine from what you're doing quite often leaves people burn out because it's like they've got nothing to ride on after that. Like, like, like the, the, the reward they were hoping for never comes, the extra energy boost, the reserve fuel. Um, or take someone like, I know that, that there's a guy in the NFT space called Frank or take uh, a Steve Jobs. Like, I'm sure they probably felt times where like, I need a, I need a rest, but they were winning all the time. So 
they were operating on a different level the whole time. And they had that accountability, that, 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 that brand that they were building, the amount of people that had faith in them. So ultimately, they probably would have had a higher tolerance for, for burnout than most people because they were always winning. <laughs> so I guess, and, and, and I, I could speak more to it, but you know, I want to kind of leave it there because it'll be a new can of worms. But uh, my intention, interpretation of burnout is working so hard for something and giving up a lot and burning the candle at both ends and, and not getting any results leaves people burnt out. And that's why they might actually be more, it might be wiser to go for an approach where you're not sacrificing as much, you're not investing as much every single day, you're not bleeding as much every day, and you're able to keep up a consistent effort over a longer period of time rather than just sprinting as hard as you can and expecting to hold that speed forever. Like it's not going to happen unless you have a little bit of rest or you win big <laughs> and that energy carries you through to the next, the next sprint. So yeah, that's my interpretation of burnout and my, a little bit of my story on burnout. Yeah. What, what do you think about, what, what do you think about burnout? I love how you mentioned it like that. You know, some people aren't hardwired to sprint all out because they're going to crash and burn. And when they crash and burn, it takes longer for them to rejuvenate themselves to start again. But then there's other people, like when you do mention Steve Jobs and Alex Hermosi, I, I feel like that their personality and the way that they are wired are just different. And that's fine. And what works for them doesn't work for everybody. And I think that's so important. I, I loved, I was on Twitter and I heard someone mention, I can't re remember exactly what, what the idea was, but it was this idea of not everybody's going to be able to follow the same path as the person that's telling them to go follow this path. Like we mentioned earlier, I got up early, I cold plunged, I worked out. Now getting up early works for me, but I was talking to a, a, another new friend of mine on a podcast and he mentioned how he had a lazy morning so he could be more pr productive in the afternoon evenings. And that worked for him. Now that doesn't work for me because by the time we get to lunch and I finally break my fast, cause I usually intermittent fast, I'm done. Like it's kind of like the idea of the four hour work, work day, work week where like I will front load my day, but that works for me, but that doesn't work for everybody. And it kind of goes when you mention Hermosi or Steve jobs is they're probably really, really great at sprinting all out sprinting. And then they take like little micro rest and then they sprint again. And that's just how they've kind of wired themselves. Now, other people, like you mentioned, might need a slow, consistent pace. It's like a marathon. This life in general, and we've heard it said a thousand times this way, but literally, could you imagine being in a marathon and full out sprinting, knowing that you've got 26.3, however many exact miles it is, that you've got to go to the finish line and you're sprinting from the start. It's, there's no way that you could sprint that whole entire time. Now, there, there are ways that you could sprint, walk, sprint, walk. I remember back when I was running for a while, I would, you know, build myself up to run X amount of miles, kilometers. I'm not sure whoever hears it might not translate exactly. But I remember going out and running long distances. And I was a person that could sprint at the time. So what did I do? I full on sprint. But then I'd stop, not stop, but I would go to such a snail pace of a walk to recharge myself. Now I'm still making forward momentum, but I wouldn't be going at the pace that I was at. Now on the opposite, some people could keep a, a moderate pace and be nonstop at that pace all the way to the finish. Now 
depending on who gets there first, does that matter? It depends on what your actual outcome and your goal is. And I also want to circle back to something you said that was really profound. You said that you're giving all of yourself and not getting any rewards from it. And, and I, I know people listening at home probably they're either been there or they're currently there. I'm curious if you could just dive into a little bit of your story. So when you were in that space, what did that feel like? How did you get out of that space? It sounds like you, you had to literally pivot from the space exactly. But yeah, I, would, I, I guess I would say it would be both the physical space or like business space and the mental space because sometimes that is what it takes. Speaking to the, the actual myself from the actual space, feeling like that and for a bit of context, basically ran a, launched a project. One of the team members, or at least we don't have physical proof. We know that it's the only way that this could have happened, but one of the team members ran off with a note of the money, completely blindsided us and a big sum of money as well. And after that, the project just started tanking and there was nothing we could really do. We tried everything we could to resuscitate it, but it wasn't working. And in the end, myself and my business partner really co-founded it and really ran everything, put in the most love, care, really, really raised the child the most. Uh, and there was, another, there was another one of my good friends as well, who's heavily involved as well. I want to shout him out. We, we started getting ourselves into personal debt, trying to and keep it alive. We were so attached to it. And we felt so committed to our community. We were like, we've got to make this work. And for anyone that's at home that doesn't really know what I'm talking about, we, we ran an NFT project and the whole point is that your community buys it first and then you, you make it valuable so that the market values it really highly and then everyone in your community wins. They will make a massive profit. So we failed to do that because our reputation was in tatters. So at that point, getting in personal debt, trying to make this thing work, knowing that the community would never understand what, what we sacrificed to try and make it work because ultimately they paid money and that's all they cared about. Like, of course, there was a relationship aspect that, that there was more than just money involved, but they were like, you know, how you're abandoning us. I was like, so anyway, feeling like that, a bit depressed, the anticlimax, the burnout, we had to, yeah, we basically said, look, guys, you guys still passionate about this community. We can't stay in this. We need to go back to work. We need to earn money. Like, this can't become a charity. Like, we've done everything we can. And unfortunately, we haven't been able to make it work. So that was tough because you're not just admitting failure. You're, you're, you're giving up, essentially. You're like, this, the juice isn't worth the squeeze, which was sad because it was our baby. And then you're letting a lot of people down. So that was tough, having to let people down. That, that was not nice. So that's how we actually got out of the space. We said, look, to the community, you run the project now. We can't do it anymore. Luck and we'll stay in touch. So that was how I actually got out of the NFT space. It was like, need to get out of there. It's not good for the head. Our legacy is kind of ruined. Like there's nothing for us here now. Getting out of the mental space, like the rut and the feeling of disappointment and for lack of a better word, getting any of that reward that we were anticipating. Because, you know, it's a psychological thing, right? You tell a kid that he's going to get ice cream and then the ice cream never comes. They're going to be in serious pain. <laughs> so that's kind of like what happened to us and for me. So to get myself out of it, it was a year of just 
keeping up with good habits, seeing people you love, exercising, eating well, learning. And then it got to the point where I was at home and my mum said, you're not, you're not happy here. You're not happy. I was like, no, I'm not. And she said, maybe you should think about getting away for a bit. And I, and I, I said to her, I said, oh, I wouldn't mind going back to Australia. So she, she kind of encouraged me. She said, I think that'd be good for you. She didn't like seeing me sad. And then off I went to Australia. There, complete different experience to the first time I went. The first time I went, right, I was there. I was with this way, partying a lot. I was involved with some illegal activity. Like this time round, none of that. I was fully committed to self development, fully committed to bettering myself. And that's when I revisited writing, blog writing, lived pretty much like a monk. And that really helped me. That really helped me process a lot of that trauma, I guess, from that I wrote about. Uh, and that made me feel amazing. And people started taking notice. And I'm in the Twitter space. And I'm now using those skills from that project over here. Like, I was in the Twitter space last year. And it, was, it ended in tears. And this time around, it's super positive. So, yeah, it feels like a more long-term game the one I'm in now but I guess to wrap that up because you know I, I I did indulge in the story there a little bit changing my situation getting away like getting out of the the, the environment that that I had experienced that trauma in really really helped and enabled me to move past it and it actually has led to me I would say unleashing my I feel like I'm, I'm I'm living at my edge. I'm unleashing my potential, and yeah, <laughs> that's I guess yeah yeah that's an overview. And I probably gave more information than you wanted. I'm here for the story for sure, and it sounds like that was such such a pivotal part of your journey because you started something, you built something, only for it to feel like such a immense failure. It felt like you were letting people down. You weren't seeing the reward of the results you wanted to see. And I'm sure other people in this this entrepreneurial space have felt that failure. Have felt that sting of it. And you mentioned, you know, changing your situation led you to unleash your full self and potential. I think that's beautiful. And also you mentioned that it was a night and day difference when you went back to Australia. Because let me make sure I'm getting this right. So you went to Australia for a while. And in that space, you were, you know, partaking in the full party animal life, et cetera, that. And then you 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 built up the, the business that you built with NFTs. And it came crashing down. And then you pivoted back back home, back around loved ones. And you, you took that time to to recharge, refuel, replan, only for you to go back to Australia. But you said this time it was different. And I'm curious, what, what changed that, that second time around? Mm. So just, just quickly, so the NFT, when we, when, we, when we launched the NFT project, that was actually when I'd come back to the UK. Okay. So oh, okay. I left Australia because of back COVID. To... Uh, went back to the UK. Everything went down in the UK. That whole fiasco, you know, what the, the NFT story I just told you about. And then I was like, I need to get out of here now because probably to do with the, 
the, tra- the mild trauma as I get out of this location back to Australia. So st- still the same applies because the first time round was a mixture between, I was just living life to the fullest. I was exploring the world and Australia was a great place for a massive continent, size of Europe. And there's, you know, I had friends there. So I had a, like, it was like a bit of a home away from home, actually. but I was exploring and I was making good money. I was partying a lot. It was, it was, it was like, oh, this is really living, you know, like I, I'm making money and I'm also partying all the time. Like I'm in heaven. And I was like a 23 year old guy when I was the, there the first time around. So this is when I was there the first time around. So it's perfect. And you know, the reason I asked why, you know, I can swear is because there's only one word I can really use to, to, to describe what I'm about to describe. Like I was just trying to the world. Like that's what I was trying to do. Not in like the middle finger to the world. Like I wanted to just like party and I just wanted to meet people and I just wanted to like just make an impact through people, check, like have fun with girls. Like I, that was my kind of thing. Like, I was a typical lad. But after a while, like, you know, when I, when I, when COVID hit and I came back to the UK, I, I was already feeling like, wow, like there's no purpose in that. There's zero purpose. Like that, that's just, uh, that's just a boy just indulging in hedonism, to be honest with you. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, if there's a 20, 18 to 25 year old now, I'm like, oh, I want to party. He's listening to this. I'd say, do it, do it. Just don't get lost in the source because that ain't your purpose. Like it's not, it, it's just a chapter. So I don't regret any of that. So when I went back to the UK, found a bit of purpose through that NFT project, right? Okay. Doing it for kind of financial reasons, but the community side of things. And because I was in charge of building the community and we built a community of 3,500 people, we really built strong bonds of people and tapping into the leadership and seeing what, how much impact you can have on the world. I was now like in the world in a different way. Like I was, I was, I was creating in a different way, like a, that, that, that needs, like was getting exercised through my creative pursuits. So I started realizing that there's a lot of purpose in work. Then I had my home services business, which I set up, which we haven't even spoke about yet, which is, we, we, we would get, we started off gardening and then we moved into eventually down the line. So I was like, time was actually mowing lawns myself, moving into landscaping, which is more like patios and outdoor construction we then end up automating business and that's why we went back to australia because we we're like oh well a lot of this is online now we can just we don't need to be we're not bound by we don't have to mow lawns anymore we don't have to be here mowing the lawns like it's it's now <laughs> outsourced so going back to australia had these online businesses had this experience building that community was a lot more obsessed, for lack of a better word, about my health and well-being and looking after my head because the first time I was in Australia, as soon as COVID hit, it was like a, it was like a come down of all come downs. You know, I've been doing a lot of like, not, not, not anything like heavy, but I've been doing a lot of partying, a lot of party drugs, a lot of raw hedonism at its finest. So the second time round, with all that context, I was a different human being. Completely different human being, different priorities. So that's why when I went the second time round, I basically was like a bit like a monk. I just wanted to build my future there because not in Australia, but online in Australia, the businesses and my creative pursuits, it was a completely different experience because I was completely different. So yeah, 
context, more context there than the actual answer. But I feel like the answer required the other context. So yeah, I guess that'd be my way of phrasing it. For sure. I appreciate the context. That story was definitely needed. The context was needed. I, I do appreciate a lot of that. And so it's something I pull from that whole story. And even like you mentioned, you were in a space of growth that was very, very important. And what I hear is at the core as humans, like we're searching for that belonging, that purpose and that identity and that community. And, and it's interesting because I feel like a lot of times when we don't know where to search to get that, we do turn into like party scenes or we turn into spaces that only leave us wanting more. And it's, and it's so interesting that, that yeah, sure, like I, I'm not a proponent of party life because like it is what it is. I know that I know from experience that it's not going to get you what you really are looking for. For those that are listening at home. That's one area I would probably disagree with. Like, if you want to go live the party life, sure you can. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I would strongly encourage you to definitely weigh all your options before you go crazy. Because it, if you're not careful, it definitely can suck you into losing years of your life. But again, it is what it is. You know, you're going to learn either way. But but I really do appreciate that story. Now. As we kind of start wrapping up, I, I love to ask this this next question, and it kind of transitions a little differently, but I didn't realize our, our time was getting away from us. So so I only have really two more questions for you because I know, I know you probably have things to get to, and I, I do as well. So this first question that I want to kind of wrap up and land the plane with is I, I love asking this question, and it's gotten popular through the years, but... But imagine, so you're at the end of your life and you've accomplished all these things you want to accomplish. You've also built the family. You've created the family you're looking for. After all of this that you've done in your, your long, enjoyable, great, impactful life, what, what would you want to be remembered for? Essentially, what, what you get remembered for is your character. The character of the man is remembered long after he's gone. So for me, I think having a character that people respect, that people feel, felt connected to, that felt like they could trust, and that was also in many aspects larger than life as well. Not just, so, so you've got the kind of the, 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 the soft elements of the character, the things that really make somebody you know, really bond with, but then also the fact that you remember them because they're a little bit different. That's what I want to be remembered for. So, so not so much necessarily a specific achievement, just more so the kind of character that stays in everyone's minds long after they're gone. That's the most important thing. But then when it comes down to an actual legacy, being, being a leader, I want to, I want to be remembered as, I want to be remembered as, as a great leader change people's lives for the better and that ultimately it ties into the point about character and, and and there is no leadership without that, that, that quality of character so it's great it's great and i agree i think that's so good that idea of having the character that's long lasting past past life and being that leader that truly impacted lives i feel like you're already on your way i, I see you always leading in the 
in the Discord. I think that's great. I want to encourage you and give you your flowers now for that. And and I and I appreciate all that you are doing. And for those of you listening or watching at home, definitely connect with Dan West. Follow him on Twitter. He's got got great great content. He's a great writer. He's a great storyteller. And more than that, I feel like he's he's worth a follow for sure. So you'll get all his info in the descriptions and the show notes. But as we close, I always like to uh, kind of flip the script. And I like to ask my guests if they have any questions for me before we roll out. Mm. Well, one thing I've noticed, Red, is that you're very, very good at this. This clearly isn't your first rodeo. So it's kind of, it's, it's an open question, but I'd like you to share as much or as little as you'd like. But you're, you're a family man. You, you practice your faith. You clearly got your hands full. And as we spoke about as well earlier, and also, you know, you're, you're a father. So how, how on earth are you able to do what you do at the level that you do? Because it means you're constantly developing as a orator, as an interviewer, as a creative, not just the interviewing and, and the talking, it's the writing as well. How the hell do you make it work? Like how, 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 how do you, yeah, how do you do it? I, I guess it's a super loose question, but I'm sure you can find the answer. Man, I, I love that question. And first off, thank you. I appreciate the, the recognition of the fact that I've been putting in and the time and effort to develop the skill to, to grow to the space that I'll, I am now. And obviously I've got plenty of, Plenty of ground to cover as well as we always do. If we're not growing, we're, we're dying, I feel like. To answer your question, how do I do it all? Honestly, I don't. <laughs> and that's the key to it, is, is you can't do it all at once. And I like to use the metaphor of, so say you're, you're sitting at your desk and you're looking at a couple different literal hats, like hats that you can wear. And a lot of times people... Eh, they want to wear all the hats at once. But ultimately, you can't wear all the hats at once because you'll look like an idiot. <laughs> like, it's not stylish. I mean, maybe one day it'll be stylish to wear like eight hats at once. But if you could just imagine wearing all the hats that, that you would love to wear at once. And each one of these hats is like a, a, an area of your life that is a, important, that's a priority. Like maybe one hat's family, one hat's the business, one hat's the personal development or growth. One hat's the, the music side that I have. It's a, whole other, it's a whole other space. And each of these hats, like if I was to try to put them all on at once, I would look like a joker. And I wouldn't be able to sustain that. And what really has worked for me is to try to get tunnel vision and laser focus when I am in each of those hats. But also to have the grace that on myself that sometimes you'll come up short. Like sometimes like right now, like when my, my son was, was needing me, like I had the option there. Like I could have ignored him beating down the door and, and lost that connection with him. Or I could have took the moment in our, in our conversation and paused. It kind of messed our, our flow and our rhythm a little bit, but, but that was important. And that was more important. And, and, and knowing, and, and you'll get it in, in time, like you'll get that intuition and time to know what's most important in the the very, very moment. 
but I, I would say that's kind of the best way that I could describe it is one knowing knowing and developing when to put the focus where and then two giving yourself grace to know that you're not always going to get it right like there's times that I, I miss my alarm and I don't get to do all of my self-care routine that I that I'd love to do but I have to see which is more important in that moment that I can do and focusing on and it also goes back to focusing on the time you do have like I love the quote from my former boss that has the YouTube channel. She would always say, don't look at the the hour you don't have. Look at the 10 minutes you do. And she was referring to the example of working out because a lot of people, that's kind of like the most basic thing as far as one thing that you would love to do is you want to get a workout in X amount of days a week. But what if you oversleep? Then you don't have an hour to work out. You now have 30 minutes. Instead of being like, well, I don't have the full time for a full workout. I'll just skip it and get, you know, or, or you could think it's okay. I may not get as much done as I wanted to, but I'm going to get something done. And as far as going back to the, and, and you find kind of ways that work. For instance, when I'm taking care of household duties, like chores, like if I'm just cleaning the house or doing dishes even. That's when instead of being like, while I'm doing these dishes, I could listen to music. For me, I'm like, I could listen to something that's going to develop me in the personal growth development space. So I might listen to a podcast that I'm going to glean from. And, and you kind of find ways to kind of hack the system and you find the things that work for you. For instance, that's even like the reward of if I'm doing the dishes, the reward of that is I get to listen to motivational podcasts that inspires me, that encourages me while I do it. So it's kind of like a win-win. It's kind of a hack of the rewards. And therefore, like, it makes me want to do the dishes. And I'm like, great, now I get to do some dishes because I'm going to build myself in the meantime. Or like, even when I'm working out, I'm doing the same. Like some people, when they're working out, they may need music to motivate them. What motivates me is a good audio book or a good podcast that's going to develop me. And I just kind of find those different things that kind of hack the system that make the most efficient parts of my time. But again, it also goes back to being present in the moment. Because I feel like if you're fully present in each moment, then people are going to connect with you. And that's what I try to do even now with you. Like I could be here and I could be like, okay, I've got to do this, this, this later. Or I could be like, no, I've allotted this amount of time to be with this person that's in front of me. So they're going to get as much of me as I, I can physically possibly give them. And I, hopefully that's a, a way to answer that without answering that. I feel like I kind of went all the way around, but yeah. And I'm exactly the same, trying to stack things together. If it's, if it's something that's serving your greater purpose, then you're going to prioritize that. But sure. Also being conscious of being present. I think that's huge. You can have goals and you can have you know, big aspirations and you can be thinking about the future. But ultimately, if you're not present with the individual, especially especially with the individual that you're talking to like not even the task the task yes because we're both creative people and i don't want to riff too long on this so don't worry i'm not going on a monologue ultimately the person that you're in front of is the person that you give your undivided attention to and if you're thinking about other things probably shouldn't even be talking to them because it's a it's, it's disrespectful and b you're clearly not present and you need to go and work on your ability to get present because not only is that person that they deserve 100% of your attention, you're going to benefit from giving them your attention. Like, like it's going gonna, it's gonna to serve you. Hey, like, stop thinking about the future and everything. Like, 
give this person your attention, build that connection and build that relationship. Relationships are everything. Even someone they can't get anything from. Like, they're, they're arguably the most important people to, to, uh, to build a relationship yeah. with. <laughs> like, because they're going to appreciate that. And, and, and that, when you build that goodwill in, a, in, a, in enough people, you know, that, that's going to make a, a very good world to, to live in. So, yeah, but that, that's my last thing and my comments on your comments. And I absolutely loved everything you just said. I'm, I'm in full agreement. And yeah, I just want to say also, thank you so much for, for bringing me on. Like it's, the time has flown by. We could have easily spoke two, three hours. Like your, yeah, I, I, I did say when I saw your podcast with Pat, I was like, yeah, Red's one of the most charismatic, one of the most charismatic people I think I've ever, I've ever heard. So it's been an amazing conversation, seamless as hell. It's just been class, man. So thank you for bringing me on. I really appreciate it. And very well done. For sure. And likewise, thank you for being a guest and fully being present and sharing your wisdom and your story. I know that people are going to glean from it and be encouraged and inspired by it. And I appreciate you for taking that time. And yeah, dude, I, and I appreciate the kind words. They, they mean more than you know, for sure. Was that not a fire conversation? I know you are going to leave better than before you tuned into it. And if you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to hit the subscribe button on screen. And if you want to continue watching more inspiring and encouraging content, you can click here. If you really got something out of this or if you have any feedback so that we can make this show even better, don't hesitate, drop a comment below. As always, thank you and I look forward to seeing you again soon. Peace.